1: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Badlands podcast. The only podcast out there with the cardio on up, that's a different podcast. I'll edit that out in a little bit. Well, no, you're not editing it. <laughs>
2: that's not allowed.
1: Yeah, yeah. The only podcast out there that is 100% chiseled and is first take. I am Max and with me as always, my podcast wife, Mr. Paul Tully. Paul, how are you sir? I'm delighted, having you. Do you cock up already?
2: Less than a minute in.
3: <laughs> How about you?
1: <laughs> Don't give me more editing to do. I've got to get this edited and out before Habib uh, kicks the shit out of Justin you later on today. Yeah, I'm really good. Uh, I'm happy to have a weekend recording with uh, one of our favourites. Happy to have an early UFC event. Uh, yeah, I might get to bed at a normal time this weekend. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> Yep, so uh, this week's guest, one of our our old brain buster bev- brethren, uh, one of the best people on rest of Twitter, one of the best people in Twitter in general, he's, uh, he's also been revived from the dead, which is uh, fun in in, in like the run up to Halloween, it's a former podcaster, big pause on a pup, JPQ. Pup, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Happy to be here, happy to be back. Um
3: stopping by out of retirement to say hi. Uh this is a lot of fun. I'm excited to come on Badlands. And I think this is the first time me and Tully have gotten together. It is shockingly.
2: Correctly. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. We're, we're, we're on the same charity stream at
3: the same uh, yeah
2: Um but um obviously not on the not on an episode together. so This is the first time, shockingly. That's
3: right. This is this is record breaking. Yeah. Yeah. Wait to undersell it, Max. Jeez. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, I, I've, I've recorded that many episodes of Bad Lads it's hard to remember who Paul actually turned up for I'm sure he was invited, it's not like I hadn't invited him. He just probably just welched on me uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so go on how is life uh, it's good man, it's busy the it's podcast bubble?
3: yeah we're building, you know we're trying to get everything ready for the second baby number two yeah. in a couple of weeks here and so yeah um, with regards to all that, it's all going great, right? As as smooth as it can go, um, albeit chaotic from time to time. Uh, so yeah, I've had no complaints. You know, it's been a lot of fun, it's had a little R and R for the last four months, and I'm excited to come back to a little fall tour, get a little tune up in, and um, you know, talk about what we love so much, which is professional wrestling.
1: Yeah, can't wait for the start of uh, season two of uh, No Particular Angle. All right, fall tour is coming, baby. Yes. <laughs> He's doing a John Cena who pretends to retire, but he he'll never ever go away. <laughs> In the world of Joshi, you retire
3: four or five times.
1: Yeah, that is true. You'll soon do your WWE run, mm-hmm. and then by the time you hit thirty, you'll be you'll be one of the the uh, Joshi. I would assume mums they call them. Yeah. <laughs> <There's moms. laughs> Wow, so uh, as you alluded to earlier, you've actually been on this show before just not with uh, with good Mr. Tollier, so we can't add your picks of uh, the greatest wrestlers to our Mount Rushmore, so we like to have a, uh, a fun little topic for, for the returning guests, and we decided to to come up with uh, because we're all foodies on this recording well two of us are foodies and one of us just sees food as fuel uh and <laughs> likes to eat uh, things that you shouldn't normally eat unless you want to literally poison yourself um but yeah so we're experimentalist we're, you're definitely that you are you're definitely uh, uh, the the uh, you you you're definitely like the uh heston blumenthal of the podcast
2: I am. I'm on the forefront of creativity. Yeah, fusion. They'll look back at my food revelations on this podcast in years to come, and,
1: and think, they'll they'll look back on your kidneys and think, <laughs> Jesus Christ, how is this man still alive? <laughs> Why is he not on dialysis?
2: <laughs> well, all all the food innovators were were unhealthy. Look at um,
1: Keith Floyd. Mm, yeah. yeah, it's only because he got pissed whilst cooking yeah <laughs> he'd, he'd bring a bottle of wine for cooking and two bottles of wine for, for knocking back
2: <laughs> but still the best food um tv ever
1: made though what key like, yeah. you think? yeah yeah I'd, I'd say they still show it now yeah be, because they just run out of stuff to repeat the best food is obviously can't cut walk up with Can- ainsley really Come on, you can't say that it's not, was not a fun show.
2: That's where they, they have the bag of
1: mystery ingredients. Yeah, where you can spend like a fiver.
2: Yeah, that was fun. And it wouldn't then... work these days, would it? You couldn't, you couldn't buy fuck all with, with fibre. <laughs>
1: yeah, I have
2: bought a stick of
1: butter. <laughs> we come up with a, a different topic for you, and one that kind of appeals to all our, our uh, fandoms. Well, apart from Paul, who is definitely not a foodie, he doesn't see food as fun which is, uh, I absolutely cannot understand. Yeah, he, he's literally said, food is not fun.
3: I don't even know how to respond to that. Like, what's not fun about food? Let's start there.
1: It's, not, it's, not, it, it's the definition of fun
2: that that, that I have trouble with. Like, it's not fun. It's not like, if I wanted to entertain myself, I wouldn't eat. What would you cook? You know, I'd watch, I'd play. I'd, yeah, maybe, but probably not. I'd play a video game, you know, watch some wrestling. Obviously, that, As you that a video game about that's cooking. fun. Um,
1: I can't. What well, cooking a... mama?
2: Oh yeah, I remember that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a burger shop one where you're selling burgers and you have to like—it's like a yeah. like, uh, roller coaster tycoon but with hamburgers.
2: Yeah, there was a theme park, wasn't there? You could. Uh... Mm-hmm.
1: Set me burgers off with the price of burgers, yep. Yeah.
3: yeah, over-salt
1: your chips, so, uh, so they, they went a lot drink drinks drink. as well, yeah.
3: That's right, so you retire early. Yeah, well, if you, you prove me
2: wrong, food food can be fun. <laughs> to, to be
1: fair, though, you, you prove yourself wrong with your own example when you said, I, I don't find a chicken Kiev fun, and then you you later relented and said, yeah, they are actually quite fun.
2: Ah, chicken Kiev is fun now, isn't it? <laughs> chicken Kievs and, uh, and fried eggs, anything that kind of explodes that... <laughs>
1: Explosions of yeah. fun. It's a good time. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I thought we would have uh, a Mount Rushmore of our kind of go-to recipes, whether that's we're schmoozing uh, our partners or just we want to have a delicious meal. I thought we'd, we'd go through a quick Mount Rushmore of, of what our go-to recipes are. So seeing as it was my idea, I'll, I'll happily pony up mine first. Um, so... My first pick would be a standard uh, lasagna. The the reason why is because it is a fun food to eat. It's easy to prepare. Uh, you can kind of change it up with uh, the fillings and the sauces. Uh, yeah, and it's 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 very. It always looks really impressive when you do a lasagna. right? so I'll go with that first. Mm-hmm. Then uh, a British classic and one I'm sure Paul will uh, will love. It's a a full English breakfast. Oh yes. Uh, Two different types of sausages. I always go with Cumberland and Lincolnshire. Uh, Black pudding, free-range eggs, sautéed mushrooms, uh, maple, bacon, uh, wholemeal toast, and and a big splodge of baked beans.
2: Beautiful. Two two types of sausage. I've not gone for that myself.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just we are obsessed in this house about Cumberland sausages. They are so delicious. And, yeah, you've got to add a little bit of Lincolnshire for that, for that that change-up. No, I like it. I approve. Uh, so then, uh choice would be ribeye steak, which nice. I would have, I'd have cooked blue, so literally just show it a pan, not even really put it on. Uh, again, I'd have sautéed mushrooms with that, sweet potato fries, uh, and then a, a little green salad made with uh, rocket, watercress, and baby spinach.
2: Nice. i will never be, be able to hear the term blue steak again without just breaking into a big smile thinking about jericho and mjf
1: <laughs> that the <laughs> sing-off ruined it for me i, I enjoyed the the the, the dinner debonair but i just didn't enjoy the sing-off really no oh, i loved it I mean, it's horses for courses it's yeah it was yeah. entertaining uh and then last pick is a, a recipe that i've kind of stole from the wife and it's a egg and chicken curry oh nice so you make up your, your curry sauce, you have, you saute off like peppers, onions, uh, in a mixture of kind of spa, uh Indian spices. Uh you then add tomatoes and garlic, blend it till it's smooth, and then you uh you scramble some eggs and you slowly like bring the eggs to heat up with the with the sauce and it kind of it 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 turns into basically a spicy uh, scrambled egg, but it, it takes a lot of the the heat from the chilies away so it ends up being quite sweet yeah it's uh, really really delicious
2: nice <sighs> sounds nice yeah. can't say i've, so, ed- I've ever had a, an egg in a curry
1: really like hard-boiled eggs like cut into into chunks and put in curry but yeah the missus is egg uh, scrambled egg curries it's sublime absolutely sublime
2: oh nice sounds
3: good oh,
1: would you like to do yours yeah
3: so one I like I like a lot of that. I've never actually been' um, I've never been one to try an English breakfast yet. Uh, I did have a question about what? it though. Oh I know God, I know what it is out, yeah I'm, I'm I'm well aware of what it is. Um, my question to you two would be, do you do the beans homemade or are you doing it out of a can?
1: I've yeah, done, a can I've done both ways, but mm-hmm. a can is easier.
3: And yeah, it's you doing the Heinz blue can? Is that what? It's like a baked bean? Is that what we're looking at?
1: Yeah, uh, we don't have hands in in the Kirby household. We're a Branston's beans family. Well, I'm just talking to a fellow
3: Welshman, right? And <laughs> and there's there is a in Swansea there is a literal museum dedicated to Heinz baked beans. Is there? There it is. I need to go check that out. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's like a dude's house. We're obviously a Heinz family. <laughs> <laughs> Just I'll i send it one in. It's on house. Google
1: Maps. It's on Google Maps. <laughs> wow. I,
2: I'm sure we've got a pot noodle museum as well.
1: <laughs> I didn't didn't realise Wales was kind of like a hotbed of, of culinary art then.
3: That's right. Oh yeah. That's
1: right. Yeah, it's, it's the place right to
3: be. Wow. <laughs> but um but yeah, if I'm man, if I'm thinking about some favorites here, I think the first one for me is Tis the season for it, but a nice butternut squash soup.
1: Oh, uh, yes.
3: Yeah, it's huge. You know, got the aromatics in there. Uh, I like to use a little apple cider vinegar and molasses to finish um, just to kind of bring that sweet and sour in uh, to the profile. And then some cheap heat with some pepper flakes and, and things of the like. So, um, big fan of that during when it starts getting cold outside. Throw some sausage in there. Uh, just grab some ling sausage and take the casing off, brown it up, and throw it right in at the end uh, to finish it off. And then a good olive oil on uh, when you're serving, and it's a winner every time. Um, huge fan of that. I'll also take, and I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up on Badlands. Um, but I do a fine, fine Brussels sprout, and it's all about
1: veto, veto, <laughs> is- no.
3: no, no, over veto. Over veto. That's right. You got the vetoes vetoed. Um, but again, the trick there is is bacon fat, sear and well. brown prior to redu- a reduction, and then any type of stock that you like. Um, I'll tell you that seafood stock plays uh, very very well um, with with the bitterness of of your Brussels sprouts, and so reducing that in a little bit of stock, any which. I'll tell you, I prefer uh, seafood for a little bit of a different um, texture or for a different type of profile. Uh, is is a big winner as well. Throw in some shallots, throw in some bacon bits, like uh, bacon that's been chopped up, and again, you got yourself you know a nice side there that can marry with a bunch of different proteins. So um, we're good. Nice.
2: How, how well, does the, the seafood stock taste on its own?
3: uh it's good it's a little it's a slight briny kind of taste to it but uh overall uh it's pretty mild you know it's nothing at least the ones that i buy anyway aren't like fish heads and things like that it tends to be a little bit more on the uh, shellfish side sounds nice yeah
1: Sounds absolutely horrific. A waste of good seafood stock and bacon.
2: <laughs> wait, wait, when you when you said you would be remiss to mention it on Badlands, I did worry you were gonna have a
3: dog pie. Um, I don't know what that is. Mm-mm. From
1: Pepper. <laughs> from Pepper
3: Oh, geez those. Yeah. <laughs> you threw a pepper the pig reference at me. <laughs> Which is funny because we were watching that this morning. Funny enough, it's like my said that's one in the States. That's one from like five AM until nine thirty AM um monday through saturday it's crazy
2: yeah you have your peppa pig in the states oh yeah, wow. yeah i
1: shit. would not expect that it's
3: just my, yeah it's something else you guys in your rain boots and you're stopping in puddles and everything that they do
1: ah. stand peppa pig octonauts <laughs> uh the latest fascination uh, my grandkids have got is uh, waffle the wonder dog
2: oh that's horrendous
1: I hate it. I, I, hate, hate, it with yeah. I hate him. I, I hope that dog gets run over. It's that bad.
2: And the horrible theme tune sung by the dad. Ugh.
1: Don't Google Waffle the Wonder Dog pup. No. <laughs> Definitely don't show it Little Pup. <laughs> no. no you can't You'll regret it. Mistake.
3: I have um, not seen Waffle the Wonder Dog now.
1: He's not even that much of a wonder dog. He doesn't do any, he's not got any skills. Wow, season 60 episodes as wow, so
3: well. doing pretty well.
1: <laughs> wow. This, this has already gone off on way too many tangents. So, <laughs> Round your Mount Rushmore off, pup. I'm
3: going to take, um, I'm also going to go, uh, with the ribeye, um, oh. nice cowboy steak. Um, and then I'll I'll church it up a little bit um just uh to, to make it and I, again it's that rare to medium rare, like right in that um cool pink center is what you're looking for. And then I'll tell you a little bit of um compound butter goes a long way uh with uh to complement the fattiness of the yep. of the ribeye. And so I'll take that as well. Um and then number four, um I'm just gonna go with um homemade buttercreams. You know, throw a little sweetness in there. Ooh. Yeah, I'm a big fan of um, any type of uh, f- fruity, you know, creamed, um, handmade chocolate. And so vanilla buttercream being my favorite, raspberry being number two, lemon being number three. But I'm picking between those three, vanilla buttercream, milk chocolate outside every single time.
1: Yeah, I didn't even consider desserts. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would have been a, a game changer for me.
3: So gotta have a it- full meal, bro.
1: Something like a um, a chocolate cheesecake with an Oreo base. Also nice, very nice. Tolly, frighten the listeners off with your horrific (laughs) pieces of food. (laughs) So my my favorite's
2: a a burger. So I make (laughs) make a burger on just on a brioche bun with spinach, not lettuce, baby spinach, baby spinach, not lettuce. Um. super strong cheddar just just uh, the strongest i can find and then i use chutney it's like a red um like a red chilli chutney
3: yeah
2: in the burger and i have that with um sweet potato wedges kind of with olive oil and um smoked paprika oh all love over that. the wedges that's,
1: that's good that sounds naughty that goes down well <laughs> uh next is
2: a i do like a like a cauliflower and broccoli bake. Ruined so cauliflower, cauliflower and broccoli, um, kind of melted um, gouda. Is it gouda? Gouda? Gouda, cheese.
1: Gouda.
2: Melted gouda and cheddar all over it. Cheese is a theme. Yeah. Um, and sprinkled bro- and streaky bacon. Like really crispy streaky bacon. So it's like a nice uh, broccoli and cauliflower cobbler kind of thing.
1: Yeah, well, it sounds like a lot of uh, interesting textures as well. It is a lovely texture,
2: yeah. Um, Third was... What was was third? It's gone out my head. (laughs) I'll go for fourth. I'll go fourth and come back for the third one. Fourth was dessert. So dessert, I just like to smash up some malted milks. Because I buy... You know, in supermarkets, you can get four packs of biscuits. Right. Where you get, like, the malted milks, the bourbons, custard creams, and the nice biscuits. Yeah. Um... I don't like molded milks, but so I do a smash them up, in stick Santa. them in, stick, yeah, stick them in, I hate these, <laughs> stick them in a ramekin, put Greek yogurt on top of it, and then um, some strawberries on top of that, and it makes a lovely, like, really, it's, it's, it's kind of like a cheesecake, I guess, but it's not, but it's a really cheap and easy to make cheesecake.
1: It, it sounds quite similar to oven at hot.
2: Yeah, I guess it is, really, because you eat it straight away. <laughs> yeah instant <laughs> instant or <laughs> <laughs> what was my third one what, what was my third one? Oh, um bangers so bang bangers and mash but it's cauliflower mash
1: Oh, so cauliflower oh uh, again.
2: cheesy cauliflower mash and no. so, so i mixed the cauliflower with butter beans mash it all up with uh cheddar again parmesan and then a nice uh onion gravy over the top of all of it
1: you had me with bangers and mash, and then you said cauliflower. No, horrific.
2: Yeah, you know, you know, you know how I feel about carbs. <laughs> no, no, no carbs before mobs.
1: Yep, yeah, no, or ever. <laughs> <You> okay. <laughs> I can't believe a chip butter leaves you leaves you like crippled.
2: Oh, it does me. It does me hella damage. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But those picks weren't as horrific as I was expecting, Tully, So well done there.
3: (laughs) Thank you very much.
2: I'm interested (laughs) in approval from my dad.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You've done good, son. I'm
1: proud of you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I've been waiting 175 Badlands episodes to hear that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's never gonna happen again. It's a once in a lifetime that I'm proud of Tali. <laughs> I'll sleep well tonight. That's right. <laughs> so guys, uh the topic that that we uh the main topic that we're gonna discuss is wrestling's best heel turns. Um I don't even know who actually nominated this topic, but as soon as it, it came up oh yep, yeah, that's a... That's a great topic to have, and it's not one we've really covered before. Uh, so, Pup, what would you nominate for your first uh, of wrestling's best heel turns? Sure. Yeah, I'm going to kind of go all over the world a little bit.
3: Um, and before I, I jump into probably my strongest suit, my strongest argument, uh, I'll start in, um, I forget if this was in the the States or if this was in Canada, but it was March 24th, 1997, uh, and Bret Hart, condemns america uh bret hart was you know as much of of your classic technical champion that you could potentially have he did everything the right way he worked everybody the right way he he came up through the ranks in the tag team division he then transitioned into intercontinental championship fame and then he found himself in the world heavyweight uh wwf world title picture and through all of this he started to see the morals of canada Um, stay in line with his values. And he saw the damnation of America in the 90s as the Attitude Era began to roll in. And he made a decision right then and there that he was going to err on the side of truth, valor, right, Uh, uh, values, family values, decency, and condemn the entire country of America for their cesspool of of thinking of of acting and and made us all feel very very bad about ourselves um and this effectively turned him heel um in which then we got a del patriot or Adele wilkes patriot character coming in to uh to a cheap pop from american fans for a little while um and for me as a big bret hart fan it was damning that this canadian came out of nowhere and started trashing all over my hometown. So uh, for me, Bret Hart condemning America back in ninety seven was is on my Mount Rushmore for uh, biggest heel turns of all time.
1: Yeah, it's a great one and, and it, it's kind of unique that it was only it was only a heel turn against one country and the rest of the world. It was actually the it was biggest cool. face turn. <laughs> it's, it's a great pick.
2: Yeah, brilliant pick. Uh, I've I've I seem to be seeing it a lot a lot over the last few weeks. But nineteen ninety seven Bret Hart is just the greatest things in wrestling. Certainly one of my
3: For favorites. Real. People and, should never forget that guy.
2: No, and that that heel turn and that whole dynamic the where he was where he was the most loved face in Canada and the most hated heel in America was <laughs> unbelievable. So
1: good. <laughs> It's a an, an outstanding pick, uh, not one that I've uh, I've got on my list. Uh, but is it me to to go first this time, Paul, or is it yourself? Um, I had a feeling it was me, but I don't know. If you want to go, turn might the be, wheel, sir. Might turn just be wishful wheel. thinking. Yeah. Okay. Let me get my veto in ready.
2: <laughs> well, I'm not gonna not gonna beat around the bush this time. I'll go straight straight in with Hulk Hogan. Uh, probably probably the most famous heel turn there ever was. I mean, you know, to un- understand kind of what what a seismic shock it was, um, you know, you have to, you just have to kind of understand how big Hulkamania was um, back in the early '90s. It was, you know, it was absolutely massive. He was, Hulk Hogan was a genuine icon. Um, I was kind of like trying to trying to think to compare it to um, modern modern wrestlers. I mean, it's, it's far beyond how John Cena's known. I think I think John Cena's got a modicum of of fame outside of wrestling but not like Hulk Hogan it's probably comparable to the rock but then the rock rocks more famous for what he's done outside of wrestling whereas hulk hogan was famous for being a wrestler and even 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 so much so if you ask people today on the street like name a wrestler they're probably going to say hulk hogan um yeah so the red and yellow hulkamania was was a huge huge deal he was a massive massive real american hero um Particularly to kids as well, kind of with the messages he gave. So we, we we come to nineteen ninety six. Obviously, he's defected from WF to WCW. Um, he's had his first title run with WCW. That um, what I think was the second longest in, or it might be in the, the the longest in WCW yeah, history. Actually, it was the yeah. Um, but he's still he's still Hulk Hogan. He's still Hulk Hogan. We we recognise he's even kind of rehashing the the old feuds. The the um the, the Randy Savage feud. He's he's rehashing the Andre the Giant feud but with Paul White instead.
1: He's and very it brought in Earthquake as well, didn't it? Brought shark. in Earthquake as well, yeah.
2: Yeah. So um very recognizably Hulk Hogan. Loses his title, goes off TV for a little bit. We get the the outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall coming to WCW. Um and we build up their invasion up until uh until they take on uh, a WCW kind of defense team of Sting, Luger, and Savage at Bashing the Beach in 1996. let say Hogan's been off TV for a while, and uh, as the match is going down, Hogan appears and comes to the ring. Again, you've got no, you've got no doubt that Hogan's been Hogan. Hogan's going to come be the hero, and he's going to save WCW the way he saved WF so many times in the past. And he doesn't, and he comes out, and he he lays a leg drop across Randy Savage and, and Hogan betrayed everyone, betrayed all his fans who are now his young fans who are now teenagers or, or young adults. Um, he, 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 he uh, betrayed us all. He betrayed Mean Gene. Mean Gene was disgusted in him. And obviously he, uh, got the, the best thing, the best reaction you can get as a heel to be, uh, showered with litter in the, in the ring. And, uh, he proclaimed he, he he wasn't this hero anymore. He'd sold out. Uh, he'd been promised Hollywood. He'd been promised money. He'd been promised title shots, and he was more interested in that than being a hero to the fans anymore. Um, so it was a it was a painful one as a Hulkamaniac. Um, but as we know, the kind of the landscape of wrestling shifted with that heel turn, mm-hmm. and the NWO was born, and the rest was history.
1: Yeah it's a it's a solid pick I can't veto it because I'm, as much as I don't like Hogan um it was a it was such a massive transformation for the world of wrestling that yeah it it would be it would be so remiss of me to, to take that off
2: I I I'm, I'm impressing you that they are I? I can feel it
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're in the good books
3: <laughs> Yeah I don't know how that doesn't make the list I mean you talk about um Pivots in the industry. I mean, we. I, I think Darren, you and I, on uh, why we watch, talked about the impact of of All In the first time, and and how it really pivoted the the landscape of the the wrestling industry um, into a different direction. Um, I will say the same about Hulk Hogan joining the NWO. Right, yeah. like that was a pivot. That was because if you remember, uh, for as much as Hulk the fanfare behind Hulkamania and all that type of stuff, by the time he got to WCW and everything they were doing there in 94, it wasn't the greatest Hulk Hogan version that we saw, right? And And not only
1: that, the WCW fans didn't uh, accept him as as the way the WWF fans were, because he was always seen as a WWF guy.
3: Correct. Yeah. so, So he really needed that new, fresh coat of paint, and with the outsiders coming in and everything with that and the Bash of the Beach build and Who's going to be the third man? And then there is no third man. And then Hulk come. Again, it just said, you talk about just a good story to be told. Um, Man, did he tell, did they tell a great story and then execute it? And man, you're right. When that leg came down, everybody's heart uh, in some form or fashion shattered. So I, I think it's not only a great pick. I think it's one that probably is going to withstand, you know, all of our lists and, and be there at the end.
1: Absolutely. And I, I think it. <laughs> It it can't be overstated how much Bobby Heenan's commentary added to the turn. The fact that he was the one kind of uh, uh, premonitioning the, the the turn from Hogan and everybody was shooting him down. Tony Soprano was like uh, basically calling him out for it, and and he, it turned out to be true. Uh, yeah, was,
2: everyone played their part. Amazing.
1: Yeah. Even was,
2: the way Nash and Hall bolted from the ring mm-hmm. when he came down, like oh shit, it's Hulk Hogan.
1: They they absolutely captured that landing in a ball and it was perfectly done. So pop, let's go to you for your for your second pick on your Matt Rushmore of uh, the greatest heel turns.
3: Yeah, so I'm going to um I'm gonna go to Japan and. And I was going to probably save this to the end, but I feel like coming off of the Hulk Hogan um, pivot uh, in WCW, which ultimately changed American wrestling and and world wrestling overall, um, I'm going to make the same case for the Joshi scene um, back with what we refer to sometimes as the tears of the sky. And what we had was the infamous heel turn of Io Shirai against her tag team partner and everybody's favorite babyface face, Mayu Iwatani, um, in stardom back uh, at the end of 2016. And the thing about this that made it so interesting of a, of a heel turn was Thunder Rock, um, Mayu Iwatani, and Io Shirai, uh, you could look at as probably being the best one of the best Joshi tag teams um, ever, right? Crush Gal is obviously number one. Jumping Bomb or, jump, Jumping Bomb Angels are up there, but you know, you look at like modern day wrestling, right? This this generation of Joshi and where Io Shirai is the one that transcended that, and Mayu Iwatani is the one that's taken the ball and currently um, at the top of the heap. These two together back in 2016 just ran rough shot over everybody. I mean, this is the um two man power trip, right? that that we came to with with Triple A. It just it's a, the Joshi version of it. And so these two together, and they were faces, right? everybody loved them. They were just everything about these two is just white meat, or white meat baby face, just. You know, you root for him. There's an affableness to him. You have this blue chipper in Io Shirai who can just do anything and everything, and she's three time, you know, Japanese wrestler of the year and all this type of stuff and all these accolades. Then you have Mayu who's coming up through the ranks, high speed champion. Um, just that lovable Lutz that we all love so much. She's got this quirky kind of affableness to her where, you know, she does she she trips over herself, she says silly things in promos, she's a little aloof when you're talking. And it just brings this sense of, of warmth when you watch her as a, as a fan. And so these two together were just super dynamic, right? And excellent wrestlers in the ring, uh, complemented each other really, really well. So when the infamous day came that we had, uh, man, Yoko Beto and Kairi Hojo, um, otherwise known as Kairi Zane, uh, across from them in a tag team match, which I believe was for the uh, tag, in, in the Tag League Finals back in 2016. Um, when these two came to head, we had an interesting dynamic because Yoko Bito won the five-star Grand Prix, which is the G1 equivalent um, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. She was going to go for the red belt that Io Shirai currently held. Uh, there was a friction there between those two, and Kyrie is one of the daughters of stardom with Io and, and Mayu. Um, Those three together considered the daughters of stardom. And so there's a lot of history with those two or with uh, those three going back and forth. And so to have these four in the ring and the match that they put on was absolutely incredible. But towards the back quarter of this match, we had one of those infamous spots in which, um, you know, Mayu's holding Kyrie and Io's about to throw a punch. Right. And of course, she goes to throw the punch and Kyrie ducks and she's just about to clock Mayu in the face. But she pulls back and everybody goes oh, for that half a second. And then all of a sudden that smirk comes on Eo's face and bam, she she cuts back and she wallops her right in the face and drops her to the ground and then ultimately ends up leaving only to then come back um, when Mayu loses the match for her team after the promo's done by the Tag League champions, after the trophy celebration, and gets in and begins to spit vitriol at Mayu Iwatani, who's broken down, beaten up in the corner of the ring, and doesn't even finish her promo before she just starts stomping her out in the corner, completely changing the dynamic in stardom from, you know, EO champion, you know, greatest generational talent of all time to dark EO. Right. And Mayu, who you already loved because she was your kid sister. Right. And now you're ready to go to war for her. Right. And it's that type of emotional investment that we got as fans. And we saw it kind of slowly building. You kind of saw the rifts and the cracks and Thunder Rock, but they, but they always came together. Right. And they always knew why they were together and they always knew what they were destined to do together in stardom. And then you put them in there against Yoko Bito and this. And this was an opportunity for EO to really, you know, get her last laugh when Mayu, so to speak, and she did. And the way it was executed, and this is, remember, this is coming off of a, a trios, um, or uh, excuse me, a, a trilogy for the Red Belt between Mayu and uh, and, and Io through the entire course of, of 2016, right? So there's a history on the single side between these two, as well as them being a tag team, as well as the the eventual heel turn at the end of the year. Um, actually, I should, I should... I should rephrase. So two matches on the single side plus then their blow-off match was um, uh, year-end, EO versus U 3 And it just, again, from a storytelling element, it executed. From an emotional impact, it it executed. From a transitional into a new era of stardom, it executed. And so on those three levels, it has to fall in my um, Mount Rushmore.
1: Wow there's not many times on this show where me and Paula just sat slack jawed just listening to to the guest tell a tale but yeah that was a great pick um as someone who doesn't know a lot about eo uh, outside her kind of NXT run uh, obviously I know how good of a wrestler she is and yeah it, that was such a cool kind of backstory to 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 get uh, yeah great pick thank you
2: yeah brilliant pick I similar i i'm i'm not aware of of that at all so i i, I love being i love sitting here and being educated on
3: uh
2: <laughs> on uh on, on on parts of the history i don't know that was that was awesome
3: yeah i appreciate it and i'll uh i'll send you guys the link to the match because it's a really good tag team match if you're into tag team wrestling yes yeah. please yeah
1: so for for our second pick and my first pick on on our mount richmond the greatest heels, i'm um, uh pup setting his uh in the run up to his first pick, that he's going to travel the world. My picks are not. My picks are literally within the same decade, all to do with the same company. Uh, but I'm going to go with um, thinking back to the late '80s, early '90s. Hogan was was the guy. He was everything about American style of wrestling he was uh the massive big fan favorite but outside wwf there there was a company called AAWA, awa uh the american uh wrestling association i think it might have been alliance but it was just, they were they were kind of like the, the one of the other big hitter companies and they had a kind of an american based hero as well called uh sergeant slaughter he was a uh, uh, a former marine which we we've, we we've, uh, later found out that that was kind of not true and it's actually stolen valor but his uh, his whole stick was that he was a he was a marine and he fought for for the the pride of america now he'd already had a a, a short run in WWE or WWF at that time uh, in, in the, the mid 80s and he actually sent Vince McMahon uh, a letter uh, proclaiming his his kind of love for the business of wrestling and he was invited in by Vince McMahon to uh, to have a second run in the, the WWF uh, but Vince was actually looking for a heel to go up against the 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 white meat baby face of, of Hogan and, and the Ultimate Warrior who, who was uh, making huge moves at that time so he wanted uh, Sarge to come in uh, and turn his back on the United States. Now, uh, Sarge has said he found found this kind of a change of character really, really uncomfortable because he wasn't just uh, playing a part. He is a huge. American patriot. Uh, so he was brought in, and uh, he started doing promos on uh, on Nikolai Volkov who uh, who had been accepted by the American fans. And uh, Sarge wasn't happy with this, uh, accepting uh, uh, an agent of the enemy of Russia. So he started firing out these uh, anti-American promos, and he started to really kind of throw himself into the role of a uh, of this this uh, evil um, former war hero. But then uh, a perfect storm hit the company and and the world in general, uh, and you could say a, a perfect desert storm because uh, we had the Iraqi forces uh, invading Kuwait, which started a massive political crisis uh, that led to... Uh, the 1991 Gulf War, and back then Vince was uh, uh, he had his finger a little bit more on the button than he seems to have now. And he uh, he quickly jumped on this storyline and he used it to further cement the fact that that slaughter turned his back on on America. Uh, he had him uh, being a sympathizer for Iraq, uh, but not for the political ideologies of saddam hussein but more for the fact that the iraqi government was brutal and they took no prisoners whereas uh slaughter thought that the the us government had become soft and weak uh, so slaughter uh, uh aligned himself with uh, a character called general adnan who uh, who was actually one of his former rivals in in the awa uh and he was quickly pushed into the to the the main card because this this uh, this character hit the ground running, and he challenged uh, Warrior for the WWF title, which uh, Warrior had won at the the previous WrestleMania, WrestleMania Six, uh, in the title for title match against Hogan. And Slaughter actually ended up beating Warrior at the at the nineteen ninety one Royal Rumble, where uh, Macho King Randy Savage was going through his own kind of heel turn at the time. He hit Warrior in the head with the the scepter and handed the victory to Slaughter. Um but this this meant that uh we needed a new challenger to rise up against this uh this global enemy of Sergeant of Slaughter. And he was immediately challenged by by Hulk Hogan, who had literally just won the, the rumble um just before uh Warrior uh, was beaten for the title. And uh obviously Hogan must pause, so Hogan was was instantly the first first challenger. Um he ended up losing the match at WrestleMania. Hogan uh, winning the towel, uh, but that wasn't the end of uh, the end of the Slaughter's feud with Hogan and the end of his heel turn, because straight after WrestleMania, he introduced a new character, uh, a, a, a character that Hogan had a long storied history with, uh, Colonel Mustafa, uh, otherwise known as the Iron Sheik, and he was uh, he was drafted into uh, to help assist the Crusade to destroy Hogan and Hulkamania. So this led to the blow-off match at, uh, at SummerSlam 1991 where we got the historic... ..and the match made in hell. Uh, obviously, the match made in heaven was the was the fake wedding of uh, Miss Elizabeth and Macho Man Randy Savage, but uh, the match made in hell saw the tag team of Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior facing off against General Adnan, Colonel Mustafa and Sergeant Slaughter in a three-on-two handicap match obviously with this being a uh, 1990s wwf the heroes had to prevail and prevail they did winning the match and vanquishing those uh iraqi sympathizers so yeah i've gone for my first pick the uh the heel turn of sergeant slaughter on america to uh to support the iraqis
3: Yeah, awesome it's a classic one. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good one.
2: It's another one that has to be there. If you if you look at 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 W Ford purely America, then that one has to be there.
1: It was the one that that first came into my mind when when we when we was given this topic. I thought, yeah, that I was like, a 10, 11 year old then. And it really, it, even as a non-American, it affected me. This was like Slaughter turning his back on, on everything that a, a fan loves. So it had to be on there. Yeah. Very yeah.
2: similar to the Bret Hart pick.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. If Is you want to be a big
2: heel, go for America. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Easy
3: target. <laughs> yeah. The rest of the world on your back. Um We, <laughs> I would, I would agree. That the Iraqi sympathizer um, Sergeant Slaughter is—it's—it's it's a great pick. Um, it, it's what I think I like so much about it is where now we can look at it and say, "Well, it was poor form. It was in bad taste. Blah blah." You know what I mean? Because playing off the current it, back then, they were able to execute those and find the line right and and play the line pretty pretty well. Right? You fast forward close to 15 years when um, they had Muhammad Hussein in, right? And everything that was happening with that character, it didn't work as well, right? Remember they pushed that dude. He was like early twenties and they made him a champ, you know? And, and they were playing up off the whole, you know, nine 11 stuff and all that type of stuff. And it just didn't hit the same way as it did back then. And with the Gulf war and everything that was happening and then being able to bring in Colonel Mustafa and, and, and Colonel Adnan and, General Adnan and and everything with that was just, um, it's just a a good lesson of how professional wrestling knew how to play the balance um, and play it close to the, to the line without going over the line too, too much. Um, Definitely, definitely a different era, um, but definitely one that really, really worked. And still you can go back to now and watch and you feel the fire inside, but, you know that it it's never going to get too crass, right? It's always going to kind of just be on that line of acceptability, and so they. I found. I think part of what makes that so good is the balance that they were able to achieve with it.
1: Yeah, perfectly said. Uh, I, I don't think it would work as well in 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 today's WWF Because they don't know where to draw that line. They they're always trying to chase the the ratings or trying to uh, swerve fans for the sake of swerving. You know, I don't think they would know where to to end it. And we've seen that with with storylines. Like you said, the Muhammad Hassan one. If they hadn't have pushed that envelope too far, he could have been a, a multi-time world champion. But yeah, they just went overboard, and the fans rejected it. And and then the character died a, a very quick death.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one a lot.
1: So, Pope, let's go to you for your third pick. Well,
3: it's an interesting one because I like to I like to dive into the the, the history books from time to time. And um I I stumbled along or stumbled across a, a little feud, uh, well you could say little. Um from the 1980s and this was probably right when the network came this is probably like 2014 2015 you know when you first got the network and it was like I am going to go through every single wrestling era of all time and um and the one that comes to mind when when we when we spoke and you said hey you know infamous heel turns and I've always been because again the the Japanese culture side that I like to be influenced by so much I really enjoy that senpai kohai relationship right I like the the trainer and the trainee. And I like those coming up together and I like the storylines behind that. And then what do we like? We like the twist, right? We like the ultimate um, backstabbing, if you will. And we had that in 1980, um, specifically January 2nd or January 22nd, 1980. We had Larry Zabisco betray his mentor, his um, you know absolute favorite person of all time, Bruno San Martino. Um, two Pittsburgh boys, uh, if you want to, well, Bruno is an adopted son of, of Pittsburgh, um, but two Pittsburgh boys that um, really just Larry found him, knew where he lived, was a big wrestling fan, went to his house, knocked on his door, asked him to train him. He was doing uh, workouts in his backyard, in his garage for the for, for a good portion of Larry's um, uh, early years in, in wrestling. Uh, everybody kind of knew him as, as Bruno's guy. Right, that's Bruno's guy. And when Larry went out there and conducted business, he did it under the guise of, you know, I got to make sure that I do everything right because I am looked at as the guy that was trained by the greatest at that time of all time, which was Bruno San Martino. And so when that fateful night came, where Zabisco wanted out of his shadow, uh, knew the wrestling royalty that San Martino was, and they had this exhibition match, teacher versus student. And San Martino um figures out a way to out wrestle his younger opponent. Um just frustrated Zabisco. Just frustrated to a point that he couldn't come down from. And uh once uh that happened, you know, Zabisco jumps out to the ground or gets thrown to the floor, uh, returns with a chair, bashes it over Bruno's head, which at that point I don't think Bruno ever took a chair shot to to the top part of it, like to the upper part of his body. Uh in his career before that, leaving him laying in a puddle of his own blood. Uh, This caused Larry Zabisco to get death threats in real life. This caused people in the Northeast to go to his home and riot outside his home, um, which ultimately led to a big New York city chase stadium match between these two in a cage, which ultimately Bruno won. Um, The reason it sticks out to me is because again, in trying to find variability in why things are the greatest of all time, I think, in Western culture, this student-teacher um, relationship probably goes down as number one backstabbing, in my opinion, mm-hmm. based off of how popular Bruno was, how respected Larry was because of that relationship, and then for him to not be satiated with that and say, you know what, I want more, and to get more, I'm going to have to break some of my rules, and I'm going to have to you know, um, hurt some people that I love— Again, it's just another element of professional storytelling that kind of gets lost in today's era a little bit, you know. And so yeah, for that simplicity, on the list,
1: I, I love the the kind of uh, student teacher storyline. I think it's it's such a classic, but you can you can work it in so many different ways that it always seemed treasured. I mean, the the best recent example I can think of is the the Cordian uh MJF one. Our, oh, yeah. Uh, how he turned, I mean, it obviously didn't have the impact of uh, of Zabisco and and, uh, San Martino, but it's certainly kind of like rehashing that kind of storyline and it's still feeling new and fresh.
3: Yeah, Yeah. definitely.
2: There's two in New Japan right now, Um, Evil and, and very recently, Osprey and Okada.
1: And and technically, there's Tachi and, and Suzuki as well. Oh yeah. It absolutely it's it's one of those kind of classic kind of good good versus evil storylines that will always work. Yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, That's that's a great pick. I mean it's if you want to go one one bigger than betraying Hogan, it's betraying uh San Martino, isn't it?
3: (laughs) (laughs) On a popularity level, yeah. I mean that guy definitely ranks up there for a very long time
1: with WWE fans. Yeah. Great pick. So Tully, will you survive a veto? Probably not.
2: <laughs> I so I've gone for um I, I've just gone for for, for my favourite um, heel turn I ever witnessed just because the the pure shock when it when it happened and I because I've called it my favourite now I know it's definitely going to get vetoed. Um, mine is Stephanie McMahon, and it's the the, the story of how the kind of the most innocent virginal character in wwe be became corrupted by by a a trio of on-screen weddings (laughs) (laughs) each of which um each of which were were a disaster Uh, and 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 went on to become kind of one of the most significant heel turns of, of of the next decade i'd say in in wwe um happened kind of just just before kind of uh Widespread internet rumor started coming in and ru- ruining, ruining everything basically. Um, so no one really, unless you read dirt sheets, no one really knew Stephanie, Stephanie McMahon and uh, and Paul Levesque. It was we uh, were actually in a in a relationship. So I don't think anyone actually saw this coming. I certainly didn't. Uh, and and that's why it, it was one of my favorites. Um, so let's go look at the first of those um first of those weddings, which was uh, to the Undertaker um stephanie was first introduced to us as a virus stuffed bear which um the undertaker produced and set fire to bring in a vince mcmahon crying to his knees <laughs> what's going on what does the bear mean what's what's that all about the bear it turned out was stephanie mcmahon's and undertaker would go on to abduct the young stephanie and um and and basically force her to commit unholy union in the middle of the ring strapped to a crucifix where uh, overseen by uh paul bearer and the rest of the ministry of darkness thankfully thankfully steve austin came out um to an almighty pop one of my again one of my favorite pops of all time so when steve austin come out to break the uh, break up the dark wedding um and save the daughter of his of his of his enemy, Mr. McMahon, ju- just because it's Steve Austin. That's what Steve Austin does. So um, Stephanie survived survived one wedding. She was still like the lovable, um, lovable, cute Stephanie McMahon. She was fine. And then the union came in, which were um, the union were Mick Foley, The Big Show, um, Shamrock, Shamrock, yep, and of yep, course yep. Test and uh and, and young stephanie took a took a took a shining to test and they they they, they started to embark on and and a lovely cute on-screen relationship um that the uh, that uh, the fans could get behind but shane mcmahon couldn't shane mcmahon wasn't having this wedding or, or this relationship and uh famously he fought test in a in a um was a lover or lever match i believe it was called yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. lover or lever match which test won uh did test win or did yeah, well, obviously yeah. I'm sure going, yeah he won you must have won yeah. yeah test won and uh he was allowed to take stephanie's hand in marriage so again we, we've we come to an another on-screen wedding for for stephanie but um this was uh this was crashed by um by the revelation of the of the third wedding that had already taken place um by uh where triple h had um drugged and kidnapped stephanie mcmahon uh and taken her to a drive-through in las vegas and already married her um <laughs> which obviously meant uh the marriage to test couldn't couldn't go ahead um so we go on and uh Vince is, Vince is furious at this. And, and, and Vince, Vince McMahon actually, uh, takes up the fight to triple H to, uh, for his, um, to protect his daughter, presumably, presumably feeling guilty that, uh, the first wedding was actually his fault because he was, he was the higher power. It's me Austin. It's me all along. Um, <laughs> so at Armageddon, uh, it was Vince McMahon versus triple H, um, uh, for the, for the, um, you know for the pride of, of of stephanie and and vince gave absolutely everything vince fought a terrific match he wouldn't lie down he wouldn't get beaten he was busted open he took some spectacular bumps um and we, we got we come to the end of the match and vince unbelievably he has uh, he has triple h down in the corner corner he has him prone and he has triple h's famous sledgehammer and he's about to He's about to take take. Uh, he's about to take a swipe, but a Triple H. But Stephanie begs and pleads for for Vince to let her do it. Let let me be the one to to hit him. This distraction's enough to buy Triple H enough time to to um to get to to take Vince out, get the sledgehammer himself, take out Vince, and win the match. Uh. So um already. Crowd not happy. Vince has lost. Vince has to win. And then Triple H does the most heinous of things. He rises. He raises the sledgehammer up above the head of Stephanie about to hit her. Um, And then we see a small, sly smile spread across Stephanie's face, and they embrace in the middle of the ring. Fans hate it. I couldn't believe it. Stephanie was uh, was in on it all along to punish Vince for the first wedding that he'd set up with The Undertaker and the McMahon-Helmsley era began. And uh, we really got to see the the real Stephanie McMahon from that point.
1: Awesome. Yeah, it is. It's it's a, a, an outstanding pick. But I'm going to veto it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. But there's a reason why I'm vetoing it. And it, the the pick that I'm going to swap it with does actually link in with all that story i think you've missed a a crucial part of this story uh, and a a crucial heel turn that happened in the build-up to this story so i'm going to go back a little bit further Uh, i'm going to go back to uh wrestlemania 14 austin became the man he uh, beats triple h uh, he beats uh, uh, HBK, and then HBK then retires due to a a, a back injury, and then on the the row after WrestleMania we get uh, Triple H in the ring, and he he takes ownership of DX. He says Triple H uh, he says that HBK dropped the ball, and he needed to uh to turn to his family, turn to his friends, and turn to his his blood, and he brings in X Pack and he brings in the New Age Outlaws, and he turns DX from the kind of heel faction that they were to a face faction because their popularity just grew leaps and bounds with Triple H as as the leader. He would win the RC title at SummerSlam. Uh, He would feud with uh, the Nation of Domination and uh, their their leader, The Rock, who was going through his own kind of transition into a heel at the time. But unfortunately, due to uh, an injury, Trips had to drop that belt. And when he came back, he uh, he continued his feud with the Rock. And it was actually then for the W ref title because Rock had been elevated into the main pitcher, which kind of meant that Triple H was being elevated. Uh, so uh, Hunter was given a, a shot at Rock's title in an high-quit match on Raw and... Uh, we saw that Triple H was was forced to relent uh, and lose the match, uh, or Kane was going to slam China, China being Triple H's uh, right hand woman and stable mate. But then after the match, uh, China turned heel and she joined the corporation. So we then fast forward to WrestleMania 15, and uh, Triple H uh, was beat by Kane after China. Thought uh, made Triple H think that that she'd uh, come back to join DX only to to screw him and help Kane pick up the victory, uh, but the actual heel turn would be complete uh, a little later on in the show when X Pac uh, challenged Shane for that uh, European title. Uh, Triple H came out, betrayed his friend X Pac helped Shane retain, and he himself joined the corporation, starting off uh, the heel turn that would take him from being uh, the upper mid-card guy, the, the the person who kind of like helped elevate other people to being the man himself. He he would uh, then uh, be handed several shots at the the WF title, including one at, at SummerSlam where he and Mankind both challenged Austin in a triple threat, uh, which was won by Mankind uh but trips wouldn't have to wait that much longer for his uh his chance to win the his first WF title when he beat Mankind on road the very next night. And this led to his uh his feud with Vince McMahon. Uh he actually dropped that title to Vince McMahon uh on SmackDown uh in in that September and uh the belt ended up being hot shotted between Trips uh Austin and the Big Show, but the the feud with Vince boiled over uh and then this is where we get the crossover into into paul's pick uh this led to uh triple h interrupting the the marriage with test uh showing a video of himself and an absolutely paralytic stephanie uh drive-through wedding in vegas leading to the the match that paul talked about in uh, armageddon where uh trips picked up the victory uh, Stephanie turned on Daddy Dearest and we got the beginning of uh one of the most hated uh eras uh in in wrestling with the McMahon Helmsley era. So yeah, I'm vetoing your little section of that and kind of expanding it to uh to Triple H's earlier heel turn.
2: Stephanie's was bigger.
1: Give <laughs> over, man.
2: It's not the McMahon Helmsley era without, without the McMahon.
1: The the reason why I went with Trips though was because it it made him into a bigger star. I think without that heel turn, he would have never been like the multiple time world champion, and kind of it broke him out of being one of a few wrestlers at the top of the card to being the the man. So, yeah, I've gone with Trips uh, turning on DX and joining the corporation.
2: I can't do anything about it. <laughs>
3: I think um, I think you guys just explained WWF and how they used to do long term booking.
1: Yeah, I mean, I last yeah, eight, that was an eighteen month storyline. Right. Yeah. And now you're looking for it last eighteen weeks. <laughs> eighteen Yikes. days in, in in the terms of retribution.
3: Everything changes. Yeah, isn't it yeah. amazing?
1: And who started the storyline?
3: Vince
2: well, Russo. I'll...
1: A, a, oh, a, oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's exactly a Russo storyline, story yeah.
2: yeah, which is shocking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not one that actually gives Russo a lot of grief for his stuff. I think when he was filtered by Vince McMahon, he did some brilliant work. It's just when he was had no filter and when he was just allowed to run wild, that's when we kind of saw the craziness.
2: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. It's yeah. v- Vince, Vince McMahon is the one in control, whereas mm-hmm. we get the WCW and, and Vince Russo's in control. Right. That's the difference.
3: Mm-hmm. Total difference. Yeah, but I love that pick. I love that whole thing. I just, I, as both of you did a very, very fine job breaking down the memories and timelines of that entire 18 month stretch, it just brings back, again, that nostalgic feel. It's like, mm-hmm. as you guys are talking, I'm just kind of sitting here with my eyes shut, kind of nodding along, smiling, because it's like you just remember each. Like, that's, I mean, that's part of the reason. I know people like to go back and say, like, well, the attitude error wasn't that great. You go back and you watch the attitude errors. And and in certain instances you're right, but then you go and you remember things like this, and the fact that we have the vivid memories of this happened and then this happened and this happened and this happened, and this happened thirty years later. Again, it kind of speaks to the fact that they were executing on a different level than um, where we were all in tune with what was going on, and that's what we remember from the Attitude Era. It's not those one off. It's not you know S and M gold dust. Right. That's not, a, I mean, I'm remembering that guy, but, you know, that's not what we're focusing on when we're talking attitude era. We're talking about these progressions and factions. It was a faction system back then. It was long term storytelling. It was, you know, management versus it was you know, the old like proletariat uh, type of uh, motif going on in the background. Everything about that era was fantastic. But then this storyline specifically, or I should say, these two blended together over time. Just, uh, I mean, I don't know how those, from start to finish, that 18 months, I don't know how you can't put it on the on the um, Mount Rushmore. So I don't even know if that's a veto. It would be like a half veto. <laughs> Can we toe. put them up together? Yeah, I think they, we should. Well,
1: they, they link in because Man covers like, yours in not as much detail as, as obviously going back to the the first wedding and The Undertaker, but it certainly encapsulates uh, Steph's turn uh, uh, Armageddon. So they're absolutely... This, the, it's the same heel turn, just an expanded universe, I suppose. Let's
2: mm. have them hugging together up on the up on the Rushmore.
1: Yes, <laughs> that's, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it absolutely works as a like I said, an, an extension. So, put. Let's go to you to round your Mount Rushmore off.
3: Sure, I'm going to have faith in Max. Hashtag faith in mags. That he's going to wow. he, his last one is going to be the one that really should be number one on most people's lists. I think um, it is. Okay. Then I'm going to leave I've that. Got, one
1: I've, right got, I've got, two. You two got two huge stories. Um, and the one I'm probably going to go with is hopefully the one that you're thinking
3: about. Of, right. And I assume you and I are on the same page because it's pretty impactful. It's, it's the one that we all associate. So I'm just going to leave that one alone for a minute. Um, I'm going to stay in the attitude era. I'm going to stay in WWF. Um, But I'm going to go a a little bit of long-term storybooking here. I'm going to go about a year, um, a little bit over a year. August 1996, I want to say, until at least to this point, October 97. But then we know that it progresses after that, right? And where it's is um, the boiler room brawl match between Undertaker and Mankind in which... This is the first time in six years that Paul Bearer betrays The Undertaker, hits him with the urn, and ultimately goes heel on the one, the only, the unenviable uh, dead man himself, Undertaker. Now, we could end it right there because that was so impactful with everything that came with mankind and controlling through the urn and all the steps they took through all of that. But then we got to October 1997, and we got... The debut at at Bad Blood, first Hell in a Cell match in which Kane shows up and Tombstone pile drives his brother and and ultimately has him lose the championship. To, uh, I don't know if he had it. I forget. But he lost the match. Um, yeah. And and then then we went on the run of Paul Bearer and Kane. And the family dynamic between Kane and Undertaker and the fire and leaving him there. And he's the reason. Well, you're the reason, Undertaker, that your brother died in that fire or perceived to die in that fire. You're the reason your parents died. And that was all facilitated through uh, Paul Bearer. So you look at it as when he turned to ultimately when the payoff happened. I mean, you're talking the greater part of 15 months, 16 months. And remember, that led all the way until April of 1998 until they finally had their match. And so you could really look at this as being more of, you know, a, a 19, almost 20 months build um, to get to April of 1998, where we finally had the blow off between Kane and Undertaker, which, in my opinion, really was the blow off between Paul Bearer and The Undertaker.
1: It's a great pick. Absolutely great pick. Um, anything with that that kind of early doors, uh, Kane and, and Undertaker, it's just compelling viewing. Mm-hmm. I, I love that whole kind of uh, burning down the funeral parlor and, and uh, when Undertaker's uh, just about to to lay waste to 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 bear and he's and he's saying, "Your brother's alive, Kane's alive," and yeah, yeah oh, just yeah. the emotion. Yeah, great pick. I love it.
2: Crush Yeah, brilliant pick.
1: So, like I said, I've got two picks. Um, both, I, I think, are two of the, the biggest heel turns. One, uh, with recent events, is kind of like 30 years on, maybe not as much of a heel turn as we actually thought it was at the time. Uh, so I'm not going to go with that one. That one would have been... Uh, Shawn Markles uh, and the the barbershop incident when he sure. uh, threw uh, Marty Jannetty through through the the window. Now, yeah, it was a heel turn at the time, but now with uh, Marty Jannetty admitting to killing people behind a bowling alley, I think that maybe this was actually Shawn Michaels' turning face. <laughs> In <laughs> retrospect, he deserved <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but the one I'm I'm going to have to go with um, it's without a doubt the biggest storyline that the WWF had in the Attitude Era possibly the biggest storyline that they've ever had was uh Austin versus McMahon the uh the anti-hero taking on the big evil corporation uh this feud basically saved the WWF uh not only in, in the war against uh WCW but in bringing fans back uh and as WWF kind of did the unthinkable and brought in uh, uh bought their rivals in the run up to um to WrestleMania X Seven, they also did the unthinkable when they took the biggest face in the company's history and and turned him heel at the heart of his of his popularity. So in the build up to this uh this Mania main event, uh the promo work that uh, was put out by The Rock and Austin, it for me still stands up today as as the most engrossing promos that the WWF has ever put out. The uh the Limp Biscuit promo still makes makes the hairs on my arms stand up on end. The sit-down interview with uh The Rock and 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 Austin and and JR where the rock says I have to beat you. Uh it's just it's just so ahead of its time and it, and like I said it, it's it still would would stand up today against any promo. Um, so Going to the match and uh, midway through it, we see Vince McMahon storming to the ring and he actually is storming down to help Austin win the match. He hands him a, a chair, uh, the, uh, which he pummels the rock with. Uh, and once uh, Austin pinned the rock to win his fifth uh, WF title, we got the, the handshake that shocked the wrestling world when when Austin shook hands with the devil and ended the, the showcase of the immortals. Uh it was just a mind-blowing incident when the the hero of wrestling for the last four years was was in the pocket of Vince McMahon. So Austin would uh switch from being the kind of rebel uh anti-establishment uh character to a whiny kind of temperamental almost cowardly heel uh it was uh he was obsessed with impressing Vince, hugging him, giving him gifts, uh, becoming jealous when he didn't have Vince's uh, undivided attention. And it was not long into this heel turn that uh, Austin actually found himself a, a kindred spirit in another uh, person who had not long turned heel that was uh, Triple H, when they had the the two-man power trip who, uh, who ran roughshod over the company holding pretty much all the titles that WWF had uh, to hold. Uh, this team didn't end up lasting that long because Triple H lost his uh title to Kane at Judgment Day uh and then they both dropped the tag titles uh the very next night on raw uh when um in a match where Hunter actually tore his quads off the bone uh but was still able to to finish the match uh this feud was actually meant to be booked into going into the summer but obviously due to the the injury uh they kind of did some rebooking and Austin got Mini feuds with Benoit, with Jericho, with uh, with Booker, and then we got the hilarious kind of spat with uh Kurt Angle, where the two were vying for for Vince's affections. So we get to Austin's final storyline in this this heel run uh, when he was a part of the alliance, uh, the faction of WCW and ECW wrestlers who wanted to to put an end to the 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 monopoly of the WWF. Uh, Austin betrayed the WWF invasion, and he was actually picked to be the captain for the Alliance, heading into the the loser-leaves match at Survivor Series where it, it came down to The Rock versus Austin. And with uh, Austin close to winning, downruns Angle and hits Austin with the the title belt, uh, which meant that Angle had turned on the Alliance and he'd handed the the victory to the WWF. So, the row after after Survivor Series, Vince said he was going to strip Austin of the, the WF title for his treachery, hand the belt to, uh, to Kerr Angle, and that would have left Austin's uh, career with the WF in limbo because he obviously turned on the company. But then... Uh, We got um, the return of Ric Flair, who hadn't been with the company since he left in 1993 uh, after his uh, amazing run in in 92, where he he was the the world champion and won the Royal Rumble. And he announced that he was actually the part owner of the WWF, and that Austin was to be given his title back. It uh, meant that Austin was uh, instantly turned back to being a face, uh, ending this very short, but a uh, very eventful heel heel run for Austin. And whilst you could look back uh, at the annals of wrestling and think that this has not been the best-booked heel run, uh, especially with the, the Triple H injury kind of putting uh, putting the brakes on what would have been a, a really good storyline uh, going into the summer, I think it has to be mentioned just for the bravery of, of WWF to take the biggest face in wrestling, at the heart of his, his popularity and, and turn him uh heel i think that's just it just again shows how great of a wrestling man that that Vince McMahon had at that time and it also kind of rubber stamps how far he's dropped off if you if you if you compare it to wrestling of nowadays so yeah my last pick is going to be steve austin uh turning heel
3: nice yeah, yeah. that one is absolutely Absolutely, not the one I was thinking of, wow. but absolutely on the list, for sure. Stone Cold Steve Austin's, you know, just anti-establishment turned establishment character. It doesn't get any more impactful than that.
1: So which one was it that you were thinking of then? Corporate Rock. Ah, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Because you go through the Survivor Series, he's going to win the whole thing, and you think, this is our champion, people's champ, people's champ, people's champ. He's going to knock out everybody in the corporation, and right at the end, boom. McFoley, you know, turns on McFoley, and th- the rest is history. So they're supposed to be our champion, and we never got him.
1: Yeah, well, oh, you're I'm, looking veto I
2: am looking vetoing. I'm going to veto. Oh, wow. I'm
1: going to Vito. It's a good job Queen didn't show up for the show then because <laughs> you, she would have blocked you.
3: that's yeah, right.
2: She's still going to. I'm going to veto because the moment itself was really shocking. Like the moment itself was brilliant. I don't. I don't hold the heel run in much high regard. It, it was a lot of it was too funny. Okay. And, and, and was played for laughs. It was
3: good comedy shtick, that's for it was, sure. It
2: was good. It was good comedy, and it was entertaining. But was it was it a good heel run? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. So I'm going to go boring. And I know we had Ricky and Clive recently, and Ricky had my back in in on, on that episode. So I'm going to have his back. And I'm going to go back to our first pick of the episode. I, I I need Bret Hart 1997 on ours as well. And the reason wow. I need, the reason I need I need to put that on is. I think without without that heel turn and i was I was actually thinking of a different moment when i was thinking of um of putting bret hart on i was thinking of the uh moment he's just uh so he's um when when like when uh um he has the the steel cage match with um with psycho sid mm-hmm. on, on on raw and we've got it we've got it set up for wrestlemania that it's um it's going to be Hart versus austin and it's going to be Sid versus undertaker but this match will decide which one which one's for the world title and uh and austin comes down and you know he's been he's been a pain in heart side for the best part of a year um you, you know he's co- he's cost him the title in the past but this time austin comes down and he, try, he tries to show the help for a heart win Uh, Win the title, but unfortunately, the Undertaker comes down and and does the same because they both want their match against either Hart or 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 Sid to be to be the championship match of WrestleMania. Right. And and Undertaker gets the best of it. And I think this is where we see actually a lot of people say that the 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 match of WrestleMania was where Bret Hart turned heel. I don't think I think he turns heel here because after the match he shoves Vince McMahon over. You know, Bret Hart is an absolute pure babyface at this point. Um, got the whole giving the glasses to the to the fan shtick. Um, he, that, like JPQ said at, at the start, he he was just he did everything right. Yeah, and he just shoved Bret Hart and he uh, he shoved Vince McMahon over, who wasn't Mister McMahon at this point. He wasn't a heel. He was just a, a commentator. Um, shoved him over and just embarked on this foul mouth tirade. The fans said the fans didn't have his back. The locker room didn't give him the respect he deserved. Gorilla Monsoon didn't give him the the respect he deserved. He was the best there is. The best there was. The best ever will be. Um, uh, it's it's not just a it's not just a catchphrase. And we see this arrogant side of Bret Hart um, finally come out because he doesn't like that Steve Austin. Steve Austin's the bad guy. But the fans are starting to starting to get behind him. Um, which is, you know, look, as as JPQ said, this is the start of why he turned on the American fans. Because how can they possibly like this guy, and, and not me? And then obviously you do get the, the full on heel turn at WrestleMania where he attacks Austin after after their match. Mm-hmm. Um, after after their match there. So I, I've got I, I've got to put Bret in because I, I think I think without without that Bret Hart heel turn, I don't think you get I don't think you get Austin three sixteen as. As massive as it was, I think you don't get Degeneration X as massive as it was. You've got that whole, like I said, that that, that year was amazing. the, the Canada versus America thing, and I've I've spoke at, spoke at length before about how much I love like the Canadian Stampede mm-hmm. pay per view. You don't get Montreal Screwjob, which is for all for all it's for, for all it was a bad moment. It's like one of the most talked about things in wrestling. So um, it's a really important, and I don't think you get Mr. McMahon. Because so you get all of those knock-on effects. So I don't think you get much like you said. I don't get my Stephanie if you if you don't have the Triple H heel turn. I don't think you get the host the Austin heel turn if Brett's heel turn doesn't make Austin. So okay. I'm stealing yeah. JPQs and having Brett on ours as well.
3: Hey, a plus. I'm not gonna. I'll tell you this right now. Um You can't have anti-decency without decency, right? And that's what Brett Hart yeah. brought to the table.
1: Yeah, very true. And I I can't that man at it because you're right i don't think you get uh the, a lot of that. what made the Attitude era great without this kind of like this starting point but it's not me that you'll have to answer to uh queen will definitely want to have uh, <laughs> severe words with you uh, for taking off uh austin so when when she's back on the show expect uh expect vitriol Oh, There's a reason for it
2: to come on now, isn't it?
1: Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Or a reason for it to never come on the show <laughs> ever again. <laughs> no, we gonna have Ricky back, though. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a, it's a great use of the veto. Uh, I, I can't be too mad at it because it absolutely does make sense. Um, yeah, two great Mount Rushmore's there. Um, and a great way to kind of bookend both the Mount Rushmore's. So what we need from you now, pup, is uh, we need a topic for uh, a future guest. What kind of Mount Rushmore would you like to hear somebody else uh, debate?
3: Yeah. Um, Well, when I, when I think about Rushmore, because again, you guys have done so many, right. And what I've really enjoyed about your show and the time that it's been on is that it tends to go all over the place. Who are your favorite wrestlers, favorite tag teams, favorite turns, like favorite outfits, right? Like there's, all these things that you can play um, with, with regards to professional wrestling. I uh, I think if I'm going to go Mount Rushmore for you guys um, and do something fun, what I want – and you know, I'm going to do this next. I'll give you guys time to kind of put it together, right? but I want Mount Rushmore of best mullets in professional wrestling history.
1: Oh, oh, oh. Sure. now, uh, a fun fact, when we were discussing, actually, having the show, we, we spoke about uh, having, like, themed episodes, uh, mm-hmm. like looking at the uh, the calendars and, like, looking at, at special days, and one of them we brought up was a national hair, haircut day or something <laughs> like that. So there it was go. one that we mentioned Way back before the show was even a thing. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great yeah. pick.
2: One of my favourite ever episodes was that was the, was the Denim episode. So, uh, this, that, this kind of thing, I think it's mm-hmm. going to be golden again.
3: <laughs> I think so, too.
1: <laughs> that was such um, an interesting, and I did not think that that would work in the slightest, but it just, it absolutely nailed it. Yeah, Sorry.
2: I think this will be the same. This, this, yeah. this will be fun.
1: I mean, if if we don't have Brian Pillman Jr. on, there's something wrong. <laughs> right. Because dude's got a mullet. <laughs> Think about, <laughs> um, what's his name? Who am I there? Think
3: about Hiroshi Tenzan.
1: Yeah. Tenzan yes. with oh. the go-faster start. <laughs> yeah, that's
3: Just right. Really add, that.
1: To really add to it, yeah. He's, he's
3: always got a flock of seagulls, right. seagulls going on, doesn't he? That's right. The old Pegasus kid, too. That little Chris Benoit one. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch that you can pull from.
1: Yeah, oh, or even great. when Suzuki shaved his is head. Yeah. Oh
3: yeah, absolutely. You got a classic he with just it. Just left Mickey the bullet. Morton, just had the bullet it. bit. <laughs> he just had
1: the bullet bit. He did. Curled it up too. Yeah. It's a it's a, a great idea for a topic, and yeah, I'm sure we'll have a, a lot be. of fun uh, okay. searching that one. Absolutely. So put where, uh, where can people find you on wrestling social media and, and where can they find the revamp season two of uh no particular angle because i'm sure it'll be uh be well in the works by the time this episode drops
3: yeah man i'm uh, i'm excited for um NPA fall tour right i uh, i don't have the time that i used to have to do weekly content i took a nice little four month break to kind of reevaluate some things and get some things ready for the new baby and the new baby's coming Depending on when you hear this, the new baby's going to be here early December, right? December 8th. So because of all of that, I'm not going to have a winner to where I can can jump on and do things. So I'm going to do these tours from time to time. Fall tour, spring tour, hopefully a winter tour, but we'll see. And um, so by the time this comes out, it's probably already dropped. So head over to um, any of your favorite podcasts. Type in no particular angle and you'll find a bevy of episodes. All dropped at once, Netflix style. Um, wow. One season, one tour, 9 to 10 episodes, 9 to 10 hours, if I'm lucky, of content. Um, Ranging from WWE to stardom, hashtag watch stardom, uh, to New Japan Pro Wrestling and all your favorite stars, right? Coming back. Warren's there. Foul Original's there. Magsy Baby's going to be there. Telly, you better be there too, pal. Um, Queen's going to be on. That'll be a skippable episode.
1: (laughs) 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 I vetoed that episode. Uh, You get really bitchy
2: when you get vetoed. You know that. (laughs)
1: i'm I'm proper salty i am very salty
3: (laughs) but we're gonna do that josh robinson's gonna make an appearance to it so i'm gonna get all my favorite friends back together um to do some some content uh as well as some solo shows and things like that of the like um Topics you know, ranging from everything and anything outside of recaps, because I don't do recaps. Because um, I like to talk about the theory of professional wrestling. So that's happening. As far as social media, Twitter's the only one that I'm on. That's my bag, baby. At Big Paws on a Pup on Twitter. Um, and other that, man, just hanging out, watching some Joshi, you know, um, trying to crack puns and crack crack jokes. That's about it.
1: It's great to hear you back, even, even if it is for a, a limited series. Uh, the wrestling... Content creation world has definitely missed
3: you. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. And look definitely at you guys has, yeah. crushing it on the chair shot side and Badlands pod. And Darren, you're doing all those crazy things. You got five nerds go over here with ta- you know you two. You know, you guys don't give yourselves enough credit for the type of work that you put on the content creator side.
1: Well, we we
3: definitely appreciate that. Yeah.
1: yeah, that means a lot, Holly. <laughs> your your time to shine, sir. <laughs> Yeah, well,
2: time's going on, so I'm going to just give everyone just six quick instructions to uh, to basically make their life better. So it's just six buttons you have to press. you just got to go, go to Twitter. You've got to follow at Dej Kirkby, and you've got to follow at Raincounter, and you'll get us um, chatting shit all week, and it's, it'll, be, it'll be great fun. Uh, and then go over to your podcast provider of choice and subscribe to... Um, Cheershot media group subscribe to uh, the visionaries uh Re- visionaries uh oh global media global media <laughs> and subscribe to shooting the sports ish and subscribe to five nerds go and you'll get a plethora of podcasts with our voices on and loads of other great voices in the in the wrestling community and as always you can head over to um cheershot.com for all your hard-hitting um uh, wrestling news and opinion everybody stay safe uh, have a great week and listen to us again next thursday
1: um peace out <laughs> and definitely don't always use your head okay. <laughs> there you <go>. thank you <laughs>